0: Hi, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a biweekly podcast produced by Cure Epilepsy. Today on Seizing Life, I'm happy to welcome Dr. Elaine Kiriakopoulos, who is an assistant professor of neurology at the Geisel School of Medicine at Dartmouth. the director of the Hobscotch Institute for Cognitive Health and Wellbeing at the Dartmouth-Hitchcock Epilepsy Center. Dr. Kiriakopoulos is here to tell us about the Hobscotch program, which aims to improve quality of life for those with epilepsy who live with cognitive challenges. Elaine, thank you so much for joining us today. I cannot wait to start talking about this incredible program, HOBSCOTCH, Uh, to begin with, why don't you tell us what HOBSCOTCH stands for and then give us a very general overview of the program.
1: Sure, well, thanks for having me, Kelly. Um, I'm really excited to share this program with your community. So HOBSCOTCH is an evidence-based epilepsy self-management program. And HOBSCOTCH uh, stands for home-based self-management and cognitive training changes lives. Um, So you can see why we've condensed it to the acronym (laughs) Popscotch. It's a mouthful. Right. (laughs) So what uh, what is the goals of the program? Right. So this is a program that targets adults with epilepsy at this point, although we're expanding our portfolio of who we think we can help with this program, but it targets adults with epilepsy who have uh, memory and cognitive issues. Um, So um, people who have uh, subjective complaints of difficulty with their memory and thinking who have epilepsy uh, are eligible to participate in this program.
0: I mean, that's a a pretty significant Comorbidity, memory loss of of epilepsy. You know, I hear from so many uh, adults that that talk about that memory loss being so concerning. Can you tell us about the origins of the Hobscotch program?
1: Sure. Uh, so Hobscotch was a. Uh... The brainchild of my colleague, uh, Dr. Barbara Yost and her fellow, um, along with a multidisciplinary team at Dartmouth, they all worked together to create Hovscotch back in two thousand and thirteen and It was really born of uh, the fact that patients who were being seen in clinic who had epilepsy and were having cognitive challenges at home really needed more support uh, and so um, for anyone that knows Dr. Yopes, uh, she really takes excellent care of her patients, and she provides comprehensive care. And so, this came um, uh, out of recognizing this need that she wanted to be able to do more for her patients. And so, that's how Hopscotch was uh, first developed.
0: And and what are the the overarching goals? What did you hope? in the beginning, and we'll sort of get to the actual results in a little bit, but in the beginning, what were you hoping to see from the patients enrolled in this program? Right from the
1: very beginning, the goal was very patient-centric and the program is patient-centric. And it was really about allowing people to live happier lives, a higher quality of life, and to feel more productive, to not be so... Um, you know, uh, menaced or burdened with cognitive challenges um, that may leave them feeling frustrated uh, from day to day, be it at school or at home or at work, uh, to really try to lift some of that burden for people.
0: Now, for the, the people who are enrolled in the program, um, is there a set schedule, certain time constraints? What, what's expected of the epilepsy patients? Right. So
1: um, the way our program works is when a person registers online or if their physician refers them or their nurse refers them, they meet with our program coordinator who does about a 30 minute phone call with them so um, that we can match them with a coach that we think will be most helpful to them. And so uh, once that call happens, they get matched with a cognitive coach who's been trained at the Hobscotch Institute and certified uh, to deliver the program. And um, they will meet with their coach once a week for eight weeks, uh, about an hour each time, and they'll receive one on one support as they make their way through the program. Uh, so it's an eight week commitment. And we do have some flexibility built in because life happens, seizures happen. Sometimes, you know, there may need uh, to be a little pause before we restart. Um, But in general, uh, the commitment is uh, eight weeks for completing the program.
0: Okay, so let's dive a little deeper and get a little more specific. What is covered in each of these eight sessions? Sure. So
1: there are um, some core sort of uh, components to the program. In the first session, um, we cover education. Uh, which is really, really important. And this session tends to be a little longer, runs about 90 minutes. And so the cognitive coach will spend time um, with the patient going over uh, epilepsy and memory and just the basics of how the two are interrelated, how someone's cognitive function might be uh, affected by seizures or treatment for seizures uh, or other comorbidities. In that first session, we also do some self-awareness training And that allows people to really think about uh, internal factors and external factors that may be impacting them. Um, So sometimes things like anxiety or fatigue can contribute to those cognitive challenges over and above the seizures and the treatments for seizures. Um, So it's important to help people look at those sorts of uh, changeable factors um, for for, uh, progress to happen through the program. And so that's the first uh, session. And then from there on in, uh, problem solving therapy is really uh, a core component of the program. It's at the crux or the heart of the program. And um, what problem solving therapy is, it's a form of cognitive behavioral therapy. And um, it lets people systematically work through the different challenges they have, set goals and work with their coach to find creative solutions to then take home and apply over the course of the week, and then come back and discuss what worked, what didn't work, how things could be improved on. There are two other components. One is um, memory strategies that we use in the program. And we call these compensatory strategies and they're behavioral strategies. uh, And they're really practical skills, sort of tried and true skills that psychologists and neuropsychologists, used in their practice all the time. And we share these with the participants each week so that they can test them out and see if it's something that works for them. And then the final component is mindfulness. And mindfulness in this program consists of progressive muscle relaxation exercises and also deep breathing exercises. And that's to help alleviate stress and anxiety for people, which could be contributing uh, to some of the difficulties they're having uh, cognitively. And so that's a really important part of the program, and it's one that participants tell us they love.
0: I'm so impressed. This is such an intricate and well thought out program. So, just sort of to recap, we have the epilepsy education piece, the self awareness training, problem solving therapy, co- compensatory memory strategies, and the mindfulness. I mean, this is this is a lot, um, and I can see how it would be beneficial. My question here is, is this something that people can do remotely, you know, regardless of, you know, if they are not located near your clinic, can they still participate in this program?
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, originally the first and the last session in this program was done in person and in between sessions were done over the telephone. We had already started to pivot uh, to telehealth accessibility with online accessibility. And of course, COVID really catalyzed us to get that moving for people. And so the entire program can be done uh, online and over the telephone with the majority. So seven of the eight sessions can be done on telephone. That's
0: brilliant. That is, that's really amazing. Hi. This is Brandon from Cure Epilepsy. Did you know that 1 in 26 Americans will develop epilepsy in their lifetime? For more than 20 years, Cure Epilepsy has funded cutting-edge, patient-focused research. Learn more about our mission to end epilepsy at cureepilepsy.org. Now back to Seizing Life. I understand that there have been sort of controlled trials done. Can you speak to the efficacy of the program now that it has... Uh, you've been utilizing it for several years now. What are the firm, reportable results? Sure.
1: Um, so the program uh, began uh, with a feasibility study back in 2013-14, followed by efficacy and effectiveness trials. And uh, what the first randomized control the trial nicely demonstrated was uh, for people who passed through the program, there was both an improvement in quality of life, uh, as well as objective cognition. And so uh, that was trial one and it was done at Dartmouth. And then the uh, next randomized control trial, HOBSCOTCH two, involved four epilepsy centers in New England, so Maine, Vermont, and Massachusetts, and as well as New Hampshire. And what this really set out to do was to see if this program were taken into a different environment Could fidelity to the program delivery be maintained by coaches, and would we see the same effects? And the effects that we uh, saw with the improvement in quality of life were even more robust in the second trial than the first. Uh, And there was also an improvement in cognition.
0: Wow. I love numbers. I love seeing the reports, but you you talk about it being patient-centric. What do the patients who are enrolled in the program say about it?
1: Well, this is what keeps us going, Kelly, and this is what makes us really wanna reach out um, and make this accessible to to people everywhere, not just to some people with epilepsy, uh, but to all people with epilepsy, including the most vulnerable populations um, and people who are in rural areas or inner city areas, people who wouldn't necessarily have access to a a program like this. And so what we're hearing from people is that it's life-changing. Um, I have a great uh, anecdote from just last Friday. We had a young woman who was a graduate student out in California who worked with her coach and expressed to her that um, one of her big goals was to write a paper, publish a paper, and she'd had such a hard time because of her cognitive um, limitations and her memory at being organized and staying focused that that was something she really wanted to work on, and so. Uh, They did that and uh, just last week her paper was published. (laughs) So the nice thing uh, about this is we hear uh, stories like that all the time. And and, and the program serves a spectrum of people from um, people who might have difficulty living independently uh, or going to school or working all the way up to executives, nurses, lawyers, college professors, all sorts of people can find benefit from this program. And that's what we hear uh, that it offers us support, uh, and it offers a solutions. So uh, we know it works.
0: Those are my favorite kind of stories. Now, a Hobscotch Institute opened in 2020. Talk to us about the Institute and sort of the difference between the Institute and the program.
1: Well, the, the Institute that uh, uh, Dr. Yopes and I founded in 2020 is really meant... Uh, to advance uh, the mission and to to provide some leadership for tackling uh, this difficult problem of cognition for people with neurologic disease, including epilepsy. And what we've created through the uh, Institute is a place for uh, patients and families, a place for providers and researchers uh, to link with us as partners, and to really start to develop this community to tackle this problem together. Because it is a big problem. One in two people with epilepsy have um, memory or cognitive complaints of one sort or another. And so we really felt like um, people could come together, work towards goals, uh, try to further disseminate the program and adapt the program for specific populations, uh, but also allowing past participants of the program to have a way to connect. And so we're we're really excited uh, about
0: this you talked earlier about the coaches. I'm sure that they are an integral part of um, the formalized institute. Who are the coaches and how do you find them? How are they trained? So the coaches uh, come to us as as licensed providers. So a big group are
1: licensed providers. And so neurologists, epileptologists, um, neuropsychologists, and psychologists, um, advanced practice nurses, epilepsy nurses, uh, social workers, counselors, uh, and non traditional providers like community health workers uh, and people who are epilepsy educators out at nonprofit organizations are also eligible to train if they have the experience in delivering one on one counseling and a good background uh, in epilepsy. And so uh, coaches have come to us from across the country. Um, We really boosted our training uh, in 2020 with the development of the Institute. And I'm pleased to say in North America, we now have 175 coaches uh, delivering the program.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: You talked about the grad student um, who was helped so much by this program. And it it sort of immediately made me think of how I I talked to so many parents who, you know, these young adults with epilepsy, they really struggle in college and it's so difficult for them. I I can see how this program would help them, but also put their parents at ease. And it sort of makes me think, you know, I know you had mentioned that you're looking at developing the program for younger audiences, you know, adolescents, teens, you know, I know clearly, you know, a teen mind is still changing and forming. I'm sure that that sort of complicates this kind of program, what what's the process there, and and how are you hoping to make that available for younger audiences?
1: Well, what you're saying is so true, Kelly. These points of transition in life, particularly for youth into young adulthood and young adulthood into sort of life uh, events, are so key. And I think it's one of the things that makes um, epilepsy so tricky. Is that you know life is dynamic. Um, Uh, The disease can be dynamic as far as, you know, our treatments working, is the disease progressing, what else is in the picture. Um, And so uh, certainly for young adults, uh, we're targeting our program to adolescents uh, that we're developing between the ages of 13 and 18. And some of the the key differences is we've adapted it so that it's culturally more um, engaging for youth is one thing. We've developed uh, a Hopscotch app for youth. Uh, that will hopefully entice them uh, to stay engaged with the program. Um, We are uh, working in the parents being able to attend uh, the education sessions and to have communication with the coach as well. Uh, And really placing those decisions in the hands of the parent and the youth who are participating in the program was very, very important to us. And we've been really fortunate to work with colleagues from uh, the Pediatric Epilepsy Group at the Mayo Clinic and Boston Children's Hospital, as well as our providers at Dartmouth and, and several community organizations to really think through uh, what might work uh, for youth and you know adolescents uh, participating in a program like
0: this. Which is all incredible because I, I know how desperately um, a program like this could change their lives, just building that confidence and allowing them to move forward at an earlier age with those abilities and those, that skill set in place. Another group that I can't help but think this could greatly benefit is those who have been diagnosed with post-traumatic epilepsy or a traumatic brain injury. And I understand that service members Which is a group that Cure Epilepsy has focused a lot of time and energy on. That that is going to be a new focus group for you. Can you tell us about that program that you're starting?
1: Sure, Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, post traumatic epilepsy uh, brings so much challenge. You know, the cognitive issues from the traumatic brain injury followed, you know, by a second uh, set of Uh, potential challenges cognitively that could come from epilepsy and its treatments. And so we're working on, um, well, we've adapted our program for post-traumatic epilepsy, both with input from the community, um, with uh, caregivers at uh, VAs across the country, uh, as well as epileptologists and neuropsychologists to really target this group. Um, and we'll be enrolling in um, another randomized controlled trial that's supported by the Department of Defense uh, to present Hobscotch PTE, so Hobscotch Post Traumatic Epilepsy, uh, to veterans uh, as well as civilians are eligible to participate in the trial. Um, uh, coming up here in the next few weeks, we'll begin enrolling in that program, so we're excited about that. Um, And the other component about this particular adaptation of hopscotch is we've involved caregivers for the first time. And so um, we're we're incorporating uh, in this randomized controlled trial uh, dyads of uh, patients and then their loved one who uh, is a care partner or caregiver for them uh, to participate in certain aspects of the program to see if we can also alleviate some burden for caregivers because we know that caring for someone uh, with epilepsy who has had a traumatic brain injury and maybe working through cognitive challenges can be a lot for caregivers too.
0: I love that you are sort of looping the caregivers in, um, if nothing else, as an asset, but to also sort of figure out, you know, where are the issues? Where uh, where can additional help be provided? What can be alleviated? Um, as someone who is so close to the, the patient, I, I think that that's, it's such an important piece to include. So a question that is sort of at the top of my mind, and I have to imagine that a lot of listeners may be wondering as well, is about the cost of the program. You know, is this a research-based program? Is this something that is covered by insurance? How, how is it paid for? There's no cost for people who participate through research.
1: Uh, In fact, uh, we offer stipends to our participants because we know it takes time uh, for them to participate in a trial in an extended period of time. Um, Now, for general delivery of the program, there is also no cost. Uh, So it's delivered to participants uh, from coaches at the Hobscotch Institute uh, for no cost at all. So there is no cost for the materials, for the one-on-one um, support that's provided uh, through the cognitive coaches. Uh, we've managed to make it happen uh, by uh, grant funding, and you know our department is very supportive, um, uh, organizations that serve people with epilepsy if they've sent someone to be trained. There's no cost uh, at those offices either. In the clinical centers where we've had coaches train, the neuropsychologists uh, can work with patients through their insurance to help Uh, have payment for the program, Uh, but people are always welcome, uh, you know, to come centrally to us as well and have the program delivered without having uh, to go through an insurance process. Uh, Our goal is to make the program accessible. And, uh, you know, we're really proud of the fact that, you know, last year with COVID, seeing the increased need, uh, you know, just from the Institute, we were able to Share about uh, three thousand hours of one-on-one coaching with people uh, at no cost.
0: Wow! I mean, I'm I'm floored. There are very few um, services, therapies. I mean, basically anything having to do with epilepsy, even the greater medical world, that is free of cost to the patient. I, I I'm sort of in shock right now. So. How does someone learn more about the Hobscotch program? How do they enroll? And um, for anyone who's interested in being part of the Hobscotch PTE study trial that you are about to start, how would they get involved in that? Sure, so there are a
1: number of ways um, people can find us online. People who want to connect with the Hobscotch program and participate in the program, or even if they just want to learn more about it, uh, the central place for them uh, to be able to access us easily is hobscotch.org, which is our website. So that's uh, H-O-B-S-C-O-T-C-H dot org. Uh, the program is part of the CDC's Managing Epilepsy Well network. So there's also a second website, ManagingEpilepsyWell.org, uh, that people could visit as well if they want to learn more about Hopscotch or other evidence-based epilepsy self-management programs. Uh, I want to share that because uh, we have uh, such dedicated colleagues also working on other epilepsy uh, evidence-based programs that are are so helpful. So. Um, if you want to learn about Hopscotch or other
0: uh, programs, uh, managingepilepsywell.org. I'm just so in awe of the work that you're doing and so grateful that this is being done. There, It is beyond needed for so many patients and families across the country. So thank you so much for your work. Thank you for sharing it with us. Um, and best of luck to you and and all of the epilepsy patients that you're helping out there.
1: Thank you, Kelly. It's been a pleasure to be here. And um, this is a passion project really for everyone involved with this work. Uh, We're happy to help. It's our goal to get this program in the hands of people who need it.
0: Thank you, Dr. Kiriakopoulos, for your thorough overview of the Hobscotch program and for the work that you do to help those with epilepsy overcome cognitive challenges and improve their quality of life. As Elaine noted, individuals with epilepsy may be cognitively impacted by both seizures and by the side effects of the medications they take to treat those seizures. That is why CURE Epilepsy is dedicated to funding research to find a cure for epilepsy. We hope you will join us in advancing science to improve the lives of those with epilepsy by visiting cureepilepsy.org forward slash donate. Through research, there is hope. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CURE Epilepsy. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. CURE Epilepsy strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical conditions be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.